You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is why you need an app in your business. I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Tim Bornholt. Let me tell you all about him. He's an entrepreneur, software developer, videographer, and the founder of the Jed Mahonis Group. He and his team specialize in helping businesses strategize, design, develop, and deploy custom mobile application systems. Those are apps, and that brings their products and services right to you. platform that dental offices find and hire qualified dentists, hygienists, and assistants. And Green Mill, which is a legendary Minnesota. He's also a videographer whose work has been seen on Fox Business Channel, CNBC, and he co-produces. He's been on a podcast and co-produces with Olympian Kerry Tollefson and host his own show, Constant Variables. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? I, I, I think it's too long as it is. <laughs> I don't think there's much more to add at this point. <laughs> I made it a little bit longer because you had such cool stuff, so I wanted to make sure it all got in there. So very cool. <laughs> hey, get this. My husband's name is Jed, yet I hear there's no real Jed Mahonis at your company. How did you guys <laughs> come up with that name? I love it. I love meeting Jeds. Um, I, I, so my, uh, my business partner and I have known each other since high school and we both did the TV announcements class together. And this was the era of Will Ferrell's Anchorman. So we all thought we needed to be cool and have you know, fake cool anchor names. And Rob had a pen name his whole life that he went by Scott Mahonis. And so I came up with Jed Harrison and we just mashed the two weirdest parts of the names together. And that's the Jed Mahonis group. That is so cool. My husband loves meeting other Jeds as well. We just got a Peloton bike for Christmas. Are you familiar with the Peloton? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a spin bike. And he went out and friended everybody on the Peloton group that was named Jed, but only like three <laughs> friended him back. But that's how crazy he is about his name. I love so it. We love it. That's awesome. Once I made my own app, it was a couple years ago, early in my business, I used Appy Pie. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Yep. So it was super fun. But what I found is it was really just a copy of my website on an app, which felt like a duplication. So does it make sense, in your opinion, for every business to have an app, no matter what their product or industry? No, absolutely not. I'm a big fan of the the old saying, you know, find the right tool for the job. I think with business, you know, your your app, some businesses, the the app is the the lifeblood of the business. You have to have an app in order for the idea to work. But many businesses, uh, an app can just be a tool to help you improve your your processes or to make things more efficient or help get your customers to figure out how to use your product. So um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a requirement. I think it's important to understand, you know, how expensive it can be and how much 
it, it takes to maintain it. But if you use it in the right space, um, just like any other tool, uh, it, it can be the right thing and help really explode your business. That totally makes sense. Many of our listeners are business coaches or consultants like me. I wonder if it's still sharing though. So Tim, what does an app cost to build? And is there a monthly maintenance fee or support once an app is up and running? Depends. Um, so <laughs> I think that's that's one thing with app development costs, especially the, the fees really vary depending on what your app actually does. You know, we've worked on apps that are only, you know, five to $10,000 to get started. Um, we've worked on apps that were well into the six figures to get started. So it really, uh, you know, working with a team like ours that can help pinpoint exactly how much it's going to cost. Uh, you know, we, we do free consultations and that stuff all the time because it really, you know, we can whittle down to fit whatever kind of budget you have, but apps are not cheap uh, by any means. It's it, it, it's a very complex business. I think a lot of times uh, people don't understand that like iOS and Android developers, the guys that we actually hire to help us build the apps, you know, they're making anywhere from 80 to $100,000 a year uh, because of, that's how skilled a profession this can can get. So, you know, apps, apps are expensive, but uh, we can really find a way to make whatever idea you have fit into what kind of budget you have as well. So do you have any ideas how people can generate revenue once that app is made to recoup some of that investment? Yeah, I, I think uh, you have to think of it in, in one of two ways, because um, with anything in business, you know, it can either make you money or it can save you money. So if you're building an app for like your employees, for example, you have to kind of think about it in terms of how much time are you saving if you're building an app that can help automate a task and help people do their jobs more efficiently, you can save money by you know having, not having to spend so much time with your employees, uh, having them perform that task. Uh, in terms of generating revenue from your customers, I think... Uh, uh, one of the one of our key things that we do when we're trying to to figure that out is we have to actually talk to your customers and see you know where are their pain points, figure out uh, where your app can fit into their life and make their life easier. And when you can become a tool that people come back to time and time again, especially if it's for their business or for something, people will invest their money into uh, doing that. So depending on what your niche is and where your your uh, your app is trying to fit, you have to kind of think through um, how can you provide the most value possible and then figure out at which point do you then charge your customers to, uh, to use that, um, your app or, or your tool. Very cool. I remember when I was using EpiPi, again, this was like three years ago. And by the way, I still have the icon on my phone because I think it's kind of cool, even though it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say I built it myself, which was oh, yeah. But there was a lot of steps and approvals I needed to go through to get approved by Apple. And then I had to get some sort of, I don't know if it was a developer key or a license, and I had to pay a fee for a year. And I was winging it. Do you have any tips for other people on how to streamline that process and get approved? Yeah, if you're working with a developer, I would say uh, just put it in their pocket because um, it's it's something that you know we've put nearly 100 apps on the App Store now, so we've been through the process time and time again. Um, you're right; it does on iOS. It costs $99 a year to to be in the App Store, and to be in Google Play, it costs a one-time fee of $25. And then uh, once you submit the apps to the app store, um, both of them have some kind of review process. And it used to be that it took, you know, weeks, like two weeks, literally to get your app approved through the, the process. Now it's anywhere we've seen anywhere from like eight hours to 72 hours is pretty common. But on, on the Apple side of things, somebody actually opens your app and plays with it and makes sure that it's providing value somehow to somebody. And they have a whole list of rules that I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, with your experience. Um, so that's something that I would say uh, it's, it's helpful to have somebody like us or somebody that's been through the process before to help kind of guide you through what that's going to look like. But it's not as scary as people think. It's really you just click submit in, in the App Store and then let Apple review it and they'll let you know uh, what you need to fix, if anything. Um, 
And if you don't need to fix anything, then voila, it appears on the App Store. I agree. Had I thought to outsource this, I would have done that. <laughs> I mean, it was very, very techy. And I come from the IT world. And if it was techy for me, I can't imagine the everyday person. So here's a great question for you. So your dentist app, the Quickly, is kind of, in my opinion, a match.com for dentists, you know, dentists that are looking for team members or team members that are looking for dentists, which requires both sides to adopt your app. One doesn't always work without the other. So how did you approach this? Did you go to the dentist first and get them on board and then go to the, the team members that want to work with that or the other way? Yeah. You, it's call this the, chicken and egg. you call this chicken and egg, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, yeah, exactly. Who comes first? Do, do, you, do you go after the, the offices or do you go after the professionals? I mean, I think most people, uh, there's always one side of that marketplace that always seems to be more eager and willing to jump in than the other. I mean, if you look at something like Uber, I think everybody thinks it's cool to be able to hail a car whenever you need it, wherever you need it. Um, but being able to find the, the drivers to be able to, to pick up those shifts and actually transport you, that's the part where Uber always, that's why you see them advertising everywhere all the time is because that's the part that they need to figure out. From our side, uh, you know, I think what the, the offices in that case were the ones that were like, well, yeah, we need people. So like they, we, it was not really, it's not a huge issue to recruit offices, but finding the professionals uh, that, that can actually perform the job is, seems to be the, always the, the challenge is, is recruiting in that regard. So, you know, really what, one of the best ways to go about it is start really small. Um, if you try to go out and get 40 offices on board in this case, you know, you're not going to be able to staff up 40 offices, right? So really start with a, a, a small number of people that you know can perform the job and start with uh, a small number of clients who actually want to buy that service and just scale up slowly and incrementally so that you're not overwhelming that process. You can kind of keep both sides of the scale balanced in, in, in regards to that. That totally makes sense too. So what were you saying about Uber? They're looking for more drivers or more people? drivers for sure. I, I think uh, from what I've seen, I mean, everybody has Uber on their phone or Lyft or, or with either one of those ride sharing platforms. But that's if you look at, you know, anywhere on the radio, you look when you go through any major shopping mall or the airport or anything, there's always signs everywhere that say drive for Uber, or drive for Lyft. And I think it's because they're really trying to, to recruit more drivers. It, it, I don't think they really have that much of a problem getting getting customers on board. That's interesting, because I do see those everywhere. And I thought, how weird don't isn't everybody driving for Lyft now? Not every. <laughs> So I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I know quite a few people that are drivers right now. So it, it just kind of surprises me they're looking for even more, but I totally get it. And I like the idea of starting small. One of the podcast guests I had recently has an app called Yard Hop, and he's matching homeowners with people that want to perform services and it gets done within two days. So it's pretty huh. cool, but he's got the same challenge. How do you get the app out there so more people adopt it? So changing the subject, if you had some advice on apps to give to listeners who are just building their app or hiring you to build it, what are some of the rookie mistakes people make and can you help us avoid those? Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of like we talked about earlier of, of finding the right tool for the job, I think it's really make sure that an app is actually the thing that's going to solve the problem that you have. A lot of times people come to us with ideas that could pretty easily and more effectively be solved by just pulling out a notebook and a pen and, and writing things down and, and, and doing it that way. Um, so I'd say one of the biggest rookie mistakes is actually do some research and make sure that the app is a right fit, not say a website or some other kind of uh, you know, like an Excel spreadsheet or something. But if you've identified that an app actually will solve the problem, one other big rookie mistake that I see is that people don't take the time to think through the, the revenue models. Because like we talked about earlier, apps can be pretty expensive to, to build and maintain. And I think one 
the, the probably the biggest rookie mistake I see is people coming in thinking, well, I'm just going to throw some ads in my app and that's going to be what solves the day. Well, you know, if you've ever looked at ad rates and seen, you know, how much, it, how much money you make per view, it, it's, it's very, very small. We're talking like sometimes fractions of pennies is how much money you actually make by displaying an ad. So if you're trying to make a million dollars off your app, you need to see, you know, tens of millions of people seeing those ads. And like we just talked about, it's not easy to get people to, to download your app. So make sure if you're, if you're thinking about getting into this space and you're thinking about using an advertising based approach, just understand the finances behind it and that you can actually make sure you can actually drive the number of users into the app that, that it's going to make it effective for you. I like that. That's great advice. Before I ask you our signature question, do you want to share a little bit about your podcast, Constant Variables? Who should listen to it? What's it about? Where can they find it? Yeah, if you find this topic fascinating, if, if you're in, you know, thinking about getting a mobile app, but you're not really a techie person and you're kind of scared of that side of things, uh, my podcast, Constant Variables, is all about helping people that are not technical understand the world of app development so you can kind of get your your toes wet without needing to know much about the tech side of things. I, I, I explain that to people. So right now we have a, a mini series going on uh, where you can actually hear the process of I have an idea. How do I get the idea through all the different stages of development into in the app store. So if you go to constantvariables.co or anywhere you're listening to this podcast, you, you can hear those episodes. And, and like I said, they're, they're airing now and it's a new series. So subscribe to the show and I'd love to hear people's feedback on that. Do you typically bring on guests or is it you and your team at work? It's uh, it, it's kind of an evolving project. You know, we, we've been doing it now for about a year. And when we first started, it was just me and my, my business partner. But then we did a, a series where we brought on other people that started apps that didn't have a, kind of a technical background. And we'd interview them about their stories and how they brought apps, uh, you know, how, how they were able to do an app without knowing anything about that. So it's kind of an ever evolving process. We have a, a good mix of episodes of both. So it, it'd probably be interesting if, if you're into this space, you probably would be able to get something out of it. Very cool. So I just thought of another question. To what was your most favorite app to develop as a team? Whether oh, it was man. crazy or just really functional, what was your favorite? I'd, I'd say probably the most fun app that I got to work on was uh, this this guy was a mechanical engineer and he was able to take a an accelerometer and embed it in a cue ball like for billiards and uh, he had all these formulas figured out that we were able to basically he could put the cue ball down and it was all about um, perfecting his break the break shot the first shot you take when you set up the the pool. Um, so we, we built an app that as soon as you cracked the cue ball, um, it sent all the math from that uh, shot into the phone and we were able to display on graphs, you know, this was the angle of entry, this was how fast you hit it, this was where you hit it. And that was probably the most fun app that we ever built. It never went into production or anything. It was just kind of a side tool because he was a, a billiards hustler apparently. But it was, that was a lot of fun to build. Did his game get any better? Yeah, it did. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. That, what a fun idea, too. All right. Now, Tim, are you ready for the signature question? Bring it on. If you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, what would you do with your extra time, that extra hour? I, I, so again, like I said before, like being a software developer, I, I get like, it, it just, that question drove me crazy. Like I, I seriously, for the last two weeks, have been listen, thinking about this, <laughs> about what I would do with an extra hour every day. And, and in, in, in the interest of not copping out and saying it depends on a day-to-day -day basis, 
honestly, my answer would be sleep. I think I don't get enough sleep, uh, especially we have a, my wife is uh, about 25 weeks pregnant right now and we have a two and a half year old at home too. So, uh, you know, I get up super early and go to bed super late already. So if I had an extra hour every day, uh, I think that would probably be the biggest boon in uh, all around in my life would be just having one more hour to sleep. Did you- Two and a half year olds take naps? Uh, mine does, uh, occasionally. Maybe you need to nap when you're kidnapped. That way you can sneak that extra hour of sleep in there. <laughs> if it were that easy. <laughs> My parents always took naps when we did. And I'm thinking, why do adults need naps? But thinking back, they were always taking naps. Oh, yeah. I always, it and drove me I nuts kind of, watching. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're watching what? Barney or something? <laughs> Oh no! Whenever I when I was a kid growing up, I would always see my dad. Uh, he'd put something on TV like football or golf or something, and then instantly he'd be out. And I'm like, "Why did you even put that on? I want to watch something else." And I didn't understand why he would put on something on TV and just fall asleep right away. And now, as I'm getting older, it's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I get it now." <laughs> well, golf—that's easy. You put golf. Well, on yeah, and you're, exactly. You're out. <laughs> it's awesome. Kim, for people who'd like to work more closely with you, learn, maybe they're interested in having you build them an app, where can they connect with you? Uh, please visit our website. It's jedmahonisgroup.com. And uh, there's a contact form right there that you can fill out. And like I said, we do free consultations and I help people kind of figure out if this is the right thing for them and, and get them along their way. So please reach out. So I have to ask you, I was in a sports store over the weekend. I had a flat tire on my mountain bike, brought it in and they had this mannequin dressed up in clothes that they were trying to sell besides bikes and skis and they put out a cup they cut out the rock's face you know the rock oh yeah Dwayne Johnson they cut out his face so as you walk in you see the rock in all these cool clothes you should do that make a Jed I think that'd be hilarious <laughs> people come to your office they walk in and they see whoever's face you put on there and that is Jed would you do that <laughs> I, I, it's better like right now when people ask where is Jed or I want to speak to Jed it's me because I was Jed Harrison so I think having uh, a mannequin stand in my place to have people either you know take take uh, take punishment or, or any criticisms or anything I think that would be great to just have a mannequin I can point at and have them have them go right yeah. to that <laughs> go talk to Jed <laughs> exactly awesome. is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't think to ask you no I, this was fantastic I, I really appreciate you having me on the show and if, if you ever uh, have any more questions questions about apps. I'm happy to come back on anytime. Awesome. It was, I learned a few new things too. And yeah, while it was fun to build my own app, I realized it's not my superpower. So listeners, <laughs> if you need an app, go talk to Jed Mahonis and let them figure it out for you. Tim, exactly. Thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of great new tips and information. Listeners, I just rolled out a new program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked or experiencing growing pains, let's have a conversation and see if this is a program for you. We work side by side, roll up our sleeves and get things done. You can find more on my website, nancygaines.com. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.